to the Local Bar Podcast with your host, Chad Alexander. Come on in. We have a lot of friends we want you to meet. Well, hello there. From beautiful downtown Columbia, South Carolina, looking right in the heart of Rosewood, this is the Local Bar I'm your host, Chad Alexander, and of all the places you could be, you have decided to spend some time with us today. For that, we're incredibly grateful. How you doing? Local Bar can be found on iHeart, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your good and your bad podcast. If you want to follow us on the socials, Local Bar Media is where you can find us on the Facebook. And any uh, comments, questions, condolences, concerns, Chad at Local Bar media.com so Chad you have two back to back (laughs) blockbuster episodes with a guy that has an incredible story to tell tons of new listeners everybody interacting even a little bit more than usual people wanting to know a little bit more about Mr. Ray Jennings and then you disappear for a few weeks. <laughs> that is correct. <clears throat> and that is what I want to talk to you about today. First, though, I do want to say a big thank you to Mr. Ray Jennings. Uh, not only to Ray, but to a lot of you that have called, that have sent emails, uh, that 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 are new listeners now uh, and gone back in. I've seen the people going back and listen to a lot of the old episodes. It's really cool. Thank you for doing that. And, and being a part of the show and finding more about it. It's, it's one of the things, this show is not, I've never aimed for it to be a timely show, although there there are some things that have just fallen into my lap for the time that I've gotten them. It really is uh, that these, these stories and everything that's here exist all the time. And going back and hearing them, uh, listening to them, hearing the messages from from everybody that, that has taken part in the show, is not something that just goes away or is um, out of touch because it's a year down the road. And it's one of the things I'm proud of when I look at the catalog of these stories. So thank you very much for going back and taking a listen to them, even as I've been, we'll call it away. We'll call it that until I admit something here in a minute. But thank you very much for doing that. Thank you for uh, being a part of the show and reaching out. It is always good uh, to get new listeners and new people with the show, uh, but I really appreciate those of you that have been here for a very long time. Thank you very much. Great to, great to be back with you again this week. Um, I usually, <clears throat> usually around this time of year, I do some shows that uh, focus on the holidays or focus on uh, the, 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 the struggles that we all have uh, this time of year, uh, losing touch with what's important. Uh, figuring out uh, how to, to spend quality time, making sure that we're doing the things that we need to do in, in, in order to make the most out of the season and not and not lose touch with anything. I think this this year I, I, I want to take a, a little bit of time here today at the beginning of what we'll call the holiday season and 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 strip it down even further than that. Um, and, and I want to do it because I, I've sure, yeah, I've seen some emails. I've had some questions ab- about a couple things. Uh, there have been some um, there have been some requests for some guests that that talk about a certain subject. And I cannot help but ignore something that has constantly been thrown in my face over the past three weeks. 
And so I I want to spend a little time today, uh, really as a couple of things, as, as a way to 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 maybe strip things down to make things a little bit easier for for you if you struggle with anything this holiday season. Uh, but but not only that, it's uh, kind of a challenge to myself to do something. Um, <clears throat> first, I want to uh, let you know that this is one of my favorite times of year because of what I uh, what I go through personally. And uh, let me tell you about how the Alexander calendar works. The holidays start for me officially on Thanksgiving. And then they run. Uh, I've got Sterling's birthday the first week in December. And not long after that, it is Christmas. Not long after that, you got New Year's. Not long after that, middle of January, you got Bryn's birthday. Just a few days later, you've got Maria's birthday. And then Valentine's Day rolls around. And so my holiday season runs from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day um, simply because of all this stuff that we, we all do at that time of year, but because I get to celebrate uh, the three favorite people I have in my life. And it's really kind of a neat time to be a dad. I don't necessarily get like seasonal depression around this time of year because it really is just a, it's a wonderful time to be me. It, it, it just is. Usually the Cowboys are, are the only thing that's making it difficult. But even this year, they're at least uh, looking, uh, let's face it, just as promising as they always do. So it just is what it is. But um, there, there's, there's a couple of things that I, I we might as well just jump on into it. Um, I've had a I've had a tough year. Not not that anything really bad has happened, but I set out. If you if you go back to at the beginning of the year, I said I had uh, two goal or two things I was going to really try, and I had I had taken a lot of time at the end of the year last year and uh, prepped for it, and then went into this year. And I kept hitting some obstacles. So I would pivot or I would reevaluate or I would try something different and I'd find another obstacle. And I kept trying some things and, and doing what you do normally with New Year's resolutions, which is why I don't like making them. In the end, looking at now, uh, with about 30 days left in the year, I can tell you that it's time to man up and say that with my personal goals that I had towards two things, I was really going to give an honest lap around the track. Uh, I, I had a losing season. I failed. This year, there's no chance of making the playoffs. <clears throat> it's, it's just done. Not that I've given up on either one of them, but they've had to come under great reevaluation. And really the thing that I noticed the most was my um, my approach to both of them. And somewhere around June, I, I couldn't figure out why I was so off. I had a conversation uh, with uh, Don Merkel, the guy that does the music for this show, uh, and a good friend of ours, Jason Brockman, and then uh, this other guy at a concert. And I remember as we were talking, there there were some ideas and some things that were shared that I, I went away from that thinking, man, maybe, maybe the obstacles that are in front of me, maybe the things that I'm looking at 
I, I'm trying to force. I'm not really evaluating properly how to deal with it. I also uh, was uh, looking at um, the way I let things affect me. Not that I didn't expect setbacks, but just just stuff happened. I don't feel like I, yeah, I don't feel like I, I handled it perfectly. So I tried. I tried. I, I turned around and said, okay, let's let's try something different. Let's 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 take a different approach here, Chad. So I have, and and I'm I'm kind of happy with what is going on with me now. And it's like, well, then I guess 2024 will be my year. And here I am doing that crap that I make fun of people with uh, New Year's resolutions. But it's not. Actually, the things I want to do uh, kind of seasonally run with the calendar year. So I filed it down. I've looked into where my heart really is on a couple of things. Taken a couple of black eyes. Had some really good successes in some ways. And some stuff that will make for a really good story somewhere down the road. And I and I'm I'm very happy about that. But I'm going into this year, I'm preparing very hard, have been over the past month, going to even harder this month, and whittling it down a, a little bit closer to giving to giving something. Oh, just one good one really good try. Um, uh, this is where this gets hard. There's something though that I've become increasingly aware that I've forgotten and it has been trying to remind me. Over the past few weeks, I have gotten just all these, uh, just this, this, these signs here, there, and everywhere, and they all kind of coincide with something. And a couple of weeks ago, I was going to do a show on something else, and this, this one idea kept bugging me. And then I just scrapped it, and I did like what I do whenever, you know, just things like, like I, I, I am very transparent as I deal with certain aspects of like depression and stuff that that it causes me to fold back, and I have to fight through things, and sometimes I let it win when I don't want to put just kind of a crap show out there. But I can't, I can't get away from this, and and so. Uh, I want to share uh, something with you today. It is, I have, so one of my favorite things about this show, the thing I love the most about this show is this show is yours. It is stories of all of you. My favorite thing about being the person I am is the amount of people that I have gotten to meet and I will continue to meet and listening to their stories. I think I've, I've said this before. If, you, if you're new, I have an old buddy of mine, Russ Hunt, who needs to be on this show one day. And he used to have this theory that if you ask people, tell me the the five most interesting things about you. And uh, they'll tell you one and two, and one and two are probably okay. But once they hit three or four, that's it. That's the meat. It's stuff for some reason we don't think is really our A-real. Yeah, sometimes it is. And man, sitting and talking with you and listening to all of your stories, that's that's one of the greatest things about this. From time to time, I share my own stories as well. <clears throat> I want to share with you today a story that I do not share. And it's 
there's something about this story and its reverency, and I I, I feel like I've never had the right time to share it, and there's a part of me that never really wanted to share this. Um, but I think it kind of fits, it fits today and, and in this message that I really want to spend time pleading for you just to roll it around in your head for a little bit. There's a couple of conditionals I have to put on the beginning of this. Uh, one of my favorite things, um, about having conversations with people is the moment of actually having the conversation, sitting down and talking to someone, especially I, I prefer it to be live. Um, the idea of this show was just sitting and having conversations with people at a bar. Daniel Rigby is one of the first, uh, one of the first shows I ever did. I think he was in the, I think he was in the first five. He was definitely in the first 10. And he was a guy that was basically like, yeah, he was over here visiting friends, but basically just kind of couch surfing through the United States uh, from England. And we sat in the bar and immediately connected. And he had somewhere he was supposed to be in an hour, and he canceled it. We sat and talked for two hours. We could have talked for two days. It was it was a brilliant conversation. One of my favorite things is rolling around in my mind the conversations I've had with people because of the moment and that connection and, and, and what, what is there. It was one of my favorite things um, and, and something that greatly grabbed me towards my wife when we met. It wasn't just her striking beauty, which is obviously there, but when we sat and talked, we really connected and our conversations were always fantastic. That moved into whenever we would take trips or go on adventures, I suddenly kind of put her up in the in the in the echelon of man, she's great to travel with. Sitting and talking with her in the car, sitting and talking with her over dinner. Sitting and talking with her on the back porch. The conversations were never bad. And, you know, I, I used to sit and have like, like, I don't know, like a top five to ten people that I could tell you these were some of the best conversations I've ever had. Maria has wiped that out. Just wiped it out. She she like owns all ten. Like, seriously, it's, it's not even when we drive to go on a, a trip. We could be just driving to go to the mall. We never go to the mall. Driving to go to, I don't know, the places we go. Target. I go to Lowe's all the time. I, I don't know. Anyway, just just going to a friend's house. We'll get in a conversation along the way, and it's like, God Almighty, this woman, this woman knows how to have a great conversation. And it really, what it comes down to, though, is the the moment we're both very open to each other. We both find each other very interesting, um, which I love, but. It is also, there's just a connection there that's hard to beat. Maria is hands down the best. She is the, the best conversation I've ever had. I mean, just, and, and it's a hundred times over. There's, there's no doubt about that. No disrespect to any of my friends and people that have meant so much to me in the past. It just, it is what it is. Hey, she's my wife. I mean, what do you, what do you expect? But not blowing smoke, not just telling you that because she is my wife. I, 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 I really mean that. Um, but I want to tell you a story about someone today um, that sticks with me every year. And it was a conversation. It was a conversation like that. And it's one that I don't think I'll ever forget. Um, I'm pretty sure I won't. And one that I, I really do appreciate. Now, saying that, let me tell you a little bit about what got me here. 
I uh, going through this stuff like I was talking about, feeling like I was kind of lost. Um, I started kind of hearing myself say, not so much that I've got, I've got too much to do. It was I don't have room for this. I don't have enough space. I don't have a place to put this stuff today. And then what would happen is the next day comes up and I feel behind. And then the next day comes up and I'm two days behind. And then it feels like there's just there's just not enough space to put things. I started thinking about this story then and reflected on it and then pushed it back away like I do. Then I was actually at a company, or not at a company meeting, but on a company Zoom call. And someone had brought up spring cleaning in the fall. It was like, it's just like a moment to, uh, kind of one of those corporate things of like, here's how you you keep organized even when things get kind of crazy. And someone had brought it up. And I was I was kind of halfway listening to it and doing whatever, and the the story came back in my mind again, and I let it linger for a moment, then pushed it away. We spent Thanksgiving over at our friends Ace and Jamie's house. You've heard me talk about them before, Mr. Andrew Evans. He has been on the show before. He is one of my favorite people that I've ever met in my entire life, and uh, I I love. He and his wife, Jamie, uh, they are great friends to Maria and I. And then um, not only that, my 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 kids love them uh, dearly as well and, and have a great fondness towards them. I've, I've always loved Ace's perspective. I love his unassuming way. Uh, but Ace has this, he just has this, he's one of these guys that's got this thing where when, like, he shows up at the right time, there's, there's something that will come out of nowhere. And walking out uh, of his house on Thanksgiving, Ace handed me a book. And it had been based off a conversation we had had a few, uh, I think a week prior, maybe a few days prior. And I sat down and I started reading this book and it just washed over me and I loved it. And the story came back. The, the book he gave me was, by the way, was Rick Rubin's book. I, I don't know if you've read it. First of all, if you don't know who he is, he is um, the best. Do you call him the best? I, he's one of the best record executives, record producers at, that there's ever been. He um, co-founded Def Jam Records. And then uh, American Records. And he was either the, he was a, I don't think he was a founder. I think he was a, a president. Of Columbia Records. Anyway, he, he helped popularize, popularize uh, different bands and different hip hop stuff. Uh, Beastie Boys, uh, Run DMC, Public Enemy, LL Cool J. That was all his. Even got into the heavy metal side of things with Metallica and Slayer, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machines, The Strokes, Weezer, Aerosmith, Linkin Park. They even worked with Johnny Cash and the Chicks. Or as, uh, as John Chris says, we know your name is the Dixie Chicks. It's just the Dixie Chicks. You just deal with it, people. It's like that Lady A thing. What does the A stand for, you Nimrods? Anyway. But Rick Rubin wrote a book, and it wasn't so much a how-to book. It was, hey, when I see insanely creative people, here is what here is what I see common amongst them. And it is a it is a fascinating book for anyone who is an artist. He says everyone is, 
But anyone who was really creative in your life, you're looking for something, just go find Rick Rubin's book. It is, it is, uh, it is a wonderful thing. As I sat down to read it, I read the first little bit of it, and it hit me in the face like someone swinging a baseball bat as hard as they could. And it comes down to uh, the idea that in order to be creative, there has to be room to be creative. Not just an area physically, but inside yourself mentally, emotionally. And he begins the book giving incredible examples of how he's seen that, why it's important, and how he looks at it overall, even in a spiritual and universal encompassing, universe encompassing outlook. It is, um, it is, it is fantastic. It is, it is beautiful. And anyone who's ever created anything in their life, whether it's art, as in uh, what we know as art, pop culture art, as in um, music. Or, or paintings, or writing, um, if anyone's created a company, if anyone's created a group, whatever whatever it took to let that creativity flow, as you read it, you're reminded of that feeling and you know that it's true. You feel it in your bones. Oh my God, Rick is right. I remember I felt that way at this moment. Why why can't I find it again? And, and the way Rick starts the book is there's a ton we're going to talk about, but this space has to exist. It has to. Because if that space doesn't exist, there is there is nothing. There's nothing for you because there's no space for that creativity to fall. It does get very zen-like. It does get very uh, out there for your more pragmatic and concrete people. Uh, but I will tell you that even though I find myself being somewhat that way on the creative side of the perspective uh, of the of the spectrum, I do find it to be amazing. Looking for a great Christmas gift for that creative person in your life? Rick Rubin's book. Give it to them. I, I swear you'll hear nothing but high accolades from them. If they if they don't give them to you, then they're liars. They didn't read the book. And I do appreciate Ace doing that for me. Uh, what was funny is I was going to play. Uh, keyboard at a church on Sunday. I went out to that church. It's not one I go to uh, all the time, but I was able to go out there and the minister came out in the beginning of his new sermon series was making room. Oh my God. We're really going to do this. We're really, all right. Thank you very much universe. I got, I got it. I got the message. Then, <laughs> then I opened up a new book because I had just finished the book, uh, The Things We Cannot Say, which, by the way, if anyone ever tells you uh, or recommends that book to you, I cannot say this hard enough. That book is hot garbage. God, it was on some bestsellers list. It's terrible. It's called The Things We Cannot Say. The Words We Cannot Say? I don't know. It's just It's garbage. So I needed something good. I picked up a new book this morning called, and it's one that's been around for a few years, 
uh, called The Obstacle is the Way. Very, yeah, it was a good book to, as I read the, the, the the reviews of it, it looked like okay this would be a good book to to read to prepare for the new year and uh, one of the first things they talk about space all right all right all right all right so i'm here to talk to you about this today you see there's there's a couple of things that we want to do we when we when we want to get into something we look at uh, drive we look at uh, perspective perspective is one of my favorite ones hank thorpe the great Hank Thorpe uh, does all of the above uh, radio. Uh, the all new, all of the above radio. God dang, I got to do my homework before it shows. Um, he has this. He has this. Uh, this great saying is like perspective. Um, perception is not reality. Perception is perception. Your perception is just perception. It doesn't mean that it's truth. When someone says, I speak my truth, that you're lying. That's perception. There is a, there is a very <laughs> fundamental idea and understanding something is true. We all have our perception of it based off of our perspectives, but it doesn't change how true this one thing is. I was thinking about it a little bit more um, after coming across something that Hank and I did years ago. And I was thinking to myself how, how profound that was of Hank, that really when you look at it, your perspective most of the or your perception most of the time is, is lies. It, at least on some level, it's a lie. It's not really, it's not really the thing. It's your idea of the thing. And when we start to look inward, sometimes we go out first. And we hear all the critics and we hear why you can't and we hear why you shouldn't. And then we come back around from that perspective and it details our perception. So we create doubt and, and a lot of those things kind of come into us. And I, and I, th- I think that's just a – and I, I, all that's Hank Thorpe's it, – it, that, was, that was born out of him. And, and I love it. And I think it's a, it's a great thing to look at. And then I kept wanting to strip things down even more. None of that can exist. My my original pers, pers, uh, perception, not perspective. My my original perception has to go out because I haven't made room to look at myself first. I don't I don't have that space. Speaking of Hank, one of the things I started finding myself doing a couple of months ago, knowing that this was coming up, knew it, I knew it was coming, is I started cleaning the house a little bit more, getting rid of my own crap. Nobody else's, my crap. The goal that I'm not even going to need half or three quarters of my closet, my wife can have it. Not there yet, but I'm going to get there by the end of the year. Because even physically getting rid of stuff helps you declutter yourself. Ask his wife, Haley Thorpe. And by the way, Haley's business, I can't remember the name of it, and I need to look it up. You know, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, she, uh, Haley, if you're in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area, she uh, helps people do the, uh, like, kind of the Maria Kondo thing, come in and declutter your life. Haley's, like, one of the best at it. She's, she's awesome. Uh, give her a shout. Haley Thorpe, you can find her on Facebooks. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll link her in some of this stuff as well. Even the physical manifestation of that is incredibly important 
because it really does allow for your mind to get in the right place. And I learned that. I learned that from someone when I was 16 years old. So when I was growing up, we we did this thing. So if you look at the state of South Carolina, we lived in like the the upper northwest corner. In a little town called Traveler's Rest, uh, just north of Greenville. My my dad's family lived outside of Florence, which is towards the coast. And uh, my mom's family lived outside of Florence on the other side of Florence, <laughs> about 30 minutes apart from each other. We would get up on Christmas Day and we would play with our toys. Uh, we'd usually get up, I guess, around 6 o'clock in the morning. And we would play until about 8.30 and then mom would tell us, okay, pick a couple of toys you want to take with you and hop in the car. We have to drive three and a half hours. And we go to one grandmother's for lunch and the other grandmother's for dinner. Uh, it was always great to see family. I loved that. I always loved spending time with my family. My dad has said is the thing that he hated the most, having to kind of tear us away from our Christmas instead of just being there. Uh, because my dad was a preacher, if Christmas fell on a Sunday, those are great. Because we were there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you still got family you need to go see. And dad always told me, listen, when you have kids, just don't do that. Whatever you do. Then, of course, I had a kid. And what does my dad do? <laughs> it's harder to do than it is to say. I understand that, grandparents. And it was always kind of tough to do that on Christmas. Uh, but we would also do it on Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving, I was fine with that. I love seeing my family and I love both of my, both of my grandmothers could cook. Oh yes. And it was great because I got to see, I got to see everyone and it was wonderful and it was, it was a great time. Then when um, my mom started her own business, my mom uh, is a really cool story. She's been on the show before she started making hair bows for like a, a women's fundraiser at church. Fast forward a few years later She's got her own factory in Boone. She's in the Atlanta and Dallas marketplaces. She's in stores up and down the eastern seaboard. She really did a hell of a job creating her company. It's called Bows by Betsy. She, she was awesome. But one of the things that she did to get started was she would do like these local craft fairs. If any of you go to uh, the, the top one, the best one in all the land, it's called Christmas Made in the South. They are all around the southeastern United States. Shout out to my boy Russ Hunt Yes, yet again. Um, and, uh, it's, you go and it's usually in some kind of, uh, local auditorium and there's people that have all kinds of handmade stuff, gifts. They're very unique, uh, to give people, uh, for Christmas. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to go find Christmas gifts, especially for people that are very hard to shop for what makes Christmas made in the South. If I can give them a plug, uh, the best is number one, they're run by the best people, but number two, Everybody has to make their thing. You can't buy and resell. It is is all handmade. They're wonderful. It's awesome. My wife, Rusty, my wife attended the enemies this year in Colombia. I'm sorry to say that. Um, 
my mom got into doing that and she got into doing those shows and it was great. We would start off going to little tiny festivals and then we would go to these big arenas and we'd set up a booth and we'd sit there from, we'd go down Thursday, set up, we'd be open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, break down and drive home. We'd be in Charlotte, Augusta and all these places. But the biggest one, the biggest one every year was Jacksonville, Florida. You drive down to the prime Osborne center, the old train station. We'd set up, I think we'd go in Wednesday. We'd usually drive down Wednesday, wake up Thursday, go in, pull in, set up. And then uh, Friday, the show would begin and it would just, it would be crazy. It was right downtown Jacksonville, um, right near what used to be the landing. The landing is not there anymore. It's a little area with stores and, uh, and, and little shops and stuff like that. But we used to laugh and call ourselves gypsies because you would have all these families that would go from craft show to craft show weekend to weekend throughout the fall and spring and uh, making money. Some of them, it was a side business. Some of them, it was their business. This is back before the Internet, kids. And it was uh, it was it was really cool to be able to do that. I met a lot of really great friends, uh, got, got to meet a lot of a lot of cool people. Thanksgiving was tough, though. Because, as I said before, I always really loved Thanksgiving. Well, because my sister was young and my dad had to stay home for church and stuff like that, on the Thanksgiving trip, I would go with mom. And I'd help mom set up. Now, mom's bow setup was not that complicated. I could get her set up and, and get all the big stuff in there to her in about 30 minutes, lifting it up from the parking lot, carrying the, the backdrops and tables and all that stuff in. And the boxes, I mean, they're, they're hair bows. It was easy. It was easy. But I noticed that being a 15-year-old dude and uh, being a pretty strong guy, I uh, there were a lot of people that had some really heavy stuff, and they were more than willing to pay to have me unload their trucks. And, man, whatever they would pay on that Thursday, they'd pay double on Sunday to get the heck out of there. Man, you want to talk about coming across some cheddar? That was a great, <laughs> was a great way to make money. Uh, back then I started working for these one people that had these marble statues. They almost broke my damn back, but man, I made a lot of money off those folks. Uh, not off of them, helping them out. Glad to do it. But it did cause a, a kind of a, a problem for me with Thanksgiving starting at about 14 or 15 when, when mom and I started doing those shows because, um, well, you're busy during Thanksgiving. The first year I did it, I, I just worked all the way through Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden I realized it was time to go back to the hotel, and wow, I I didn't have Thanksgiving. I just kind of missed it, and I hated that. We, were, we, we had moved to a city that I was having a hard time with, and I was a guy that, that growing up, my parents would always say, oh, we're not so worried about Chad. He can, he can meet anybody. We got to worry about Abby. And that, that there's some truth to that because I, my gregarious nature and who I was in meeting people and stuff like that. And just, just putting myself out there. And I've talked about it before. was kind of a survival technique, but it, it didn't mean it was easy. And it didn't mean that it didn't cut me pretty deep sometimes. And Thanksgiving was just kind of a nice, Nice way for me to get back to what I was used to, and I didn't have it that year. It sucked. The next year, though, it was it was it was 
it was just really strange. Um, it was 1993. 1993? I think it was 1993. Um, I was like 16 years old. And uh, I was actually helping out the statue people, the Marvel statue people. And uh, busy. Wearing my butt out. Uh, I was going to meet up with mom. We were going to find some other folks that were friends of ours. We are going to go to like some cafeteria that happened to be open on Thanksgiving and, and have Thanksgiving together. And, um, and I, I guess I just got busy. And next thing I know, everybody had left. And I was just kind of there in the parking lot. And I'm like, well, crap. And I could have I could have walked back to the, the hotel. I think we were staying at the Omni downtown that year. I think that's where we were staying. But I didn't. I, I didn't want to go back to the hotel. I'd had a couple of years of doing this and I hated it. And I looked around and I like none none of the crafters that were around were people that I knew. And I saw people in the parking lot and they a couple of people had RVs and they were cooking and stuff, but I I didn't know these folks and I didn't see him every weekend because I didn't do the craft shows every weekend. Dad would usually help mom and then, you know, drive back the short hour because he'd have church on Sunday. But but this was a, a long trip for us. And I I just didn't know everybody. And here I was Thanksgiving alone. And I hated it. So I said, screw it. I love going to the landing. They they always have a big Christmas tree there. They do this really cool thing either Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember which night after Thanksgiving. And they would do a big Christmas tree lighting. They have a big boat parade. And then one of the best fireworks shows I'd ever seen. Loved it. But it was Thanksgiving and I knew none of that would be open. But I was like, ah, forget it. I'm going to go down there anyway. And I went to the landing and walked around. There was a guy selling cigars. And I bought one because my grandfather taught me to smoke cigars at an early age. And so I uh, sat there by the water, um, lit up a cigar, and probably looked about as lonely as I could ever be. I, I can't remember everything that I was feeling because of what happened next. But I, I will tell you that looking back on it, I know I was pretty down. I don't know if I was making some promise that I would never do the show again. Didn't matter how much money I would make. I would I would refuse uh, to come down like this again. Uh, that I would never be left alone on Thanksgiving. Just I don't I don't know. Pro- probably crap like that, knowing me and, and knowing how much it meant. And then I kind of turned when I was letting a puff of smoke out and I looked back at the landing and all the stores and I noticed one of them was open. It, in my mind's eye, it was the only one open. It may not have been, but it was Thanksgiving and there was no reason for it to be open anyway. Before I continue, uh, just like Joe Rogan inserts, (laughs) commercials in the middle of his stories. Uh, I just got a text from Haley. (laughs) <laughs> Mindful tidying with Haley. Haley, by the way, is spelled H-A-Y-L-I. I always spell that wrong. Um, that's funny. I got a story about somebody with a name ending in an I in just a second. Mindful tidying with Haley. You can find the there's a form on Facebook uh, as well if you if you connect to her. I'll, I'll I'll put all that in the notes, Haley. I turned and looked at the store that was open, and it wasn't a store; it was a restaurant. It was Hooters. Yes, Hooters. Yes, that big, orange, ridiculous, raunchy restaurant 
where the girls wear very skimpy clothes was opened that Thanksgiving. I don't remember it ever being open before uh, on Thanksgiving, but it, it was that year. And so I kind of finished my cigar and said, I'm going to have Thanksgiving at Hooters with all the other divorced dads and whoever else is in there watching whatever football game is on. And it wasn't so much like, you know, the bravado that you would think a hormone riddled 16 year old boy would go into it with. It really was. And I can honestly tell you this more of a sign of defeat. I even laughed at myself a little bit like, all right, because it was better than nothing. I went into that Hooters and I ended up having what what to that day was probably the greatest Thanksgiving of my entire life. <laughs> and if you were to ask me what I tell you is that it was the second greatest Thanksgiving of my entire life. More on that in a minute. I walked in and sat down at a uh, table. One of the, the, the here's what I remember about it. I, I walked in. It, it wasn't very full, you, like you would imagine. Uh, mostly dudes, mostly sitting by themselves. So yeah, probably divorced dads that had just dropped the kids off and needed something to do for the rest of the day. It was not uh, very well uh, staffed either, because well, they probably didn't need to, and I don't know if they were just trying something this Thanksgiving. Uh, but there was like a couple of fry cooks, a couple of ladies waiting at the tables. I don't even think there was a hostess that day. So I walked in and I walked up to one of the tabletops where I could see one of the big TVs and, uh, sat there and, um, one of the girls came over and waited on me. This is how it started. She came by and she asked if I wanted anything to drink and I'd, I'd said, whatever, Coke product I was drinking at that time. And she's like, it's Thanksgiving. You're by yourself. You don't want a beer. <laughs> I looked at her and I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I was 16, but you say you're 20 and sometimes they will just let it slide and you'll get a beer. The nineties were a different time kids. Uh, and she kind of gave me a look and she's like, yeah, I didn't think you were getting a beer. Anyway, she, she called my bluff pretty hard. All right, fine. You got anybody else coming in with you? No. You're alone? Yeah. See, I was 16. I wasn't I wasn't 56 like the other guys that were there. So I think she grew a little concerned. She went back to get my drink and then came back and sat down. Now, I thought this was just kind of the Hooters act. It's just what girls do to get you to maybe tip them better or spend more money or drink more while you're there. So for anyone who doesn't know, who has never been to a Hooters, I'm sorry, guys. It's not like I don't think they're really well attended restaurants anymore, but I'm going to break something down real quick. Uh, if you've ever heard someone say, well, I love Hooters because they have great wings. They don't. They're they're garbage. Their wings are terrible. No one goes to Hooters for the food. The food is not the food's not even like Applebee's quality. It's like three steps below Applebee's. OK, there's 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 no edible reason to go to a Hooters, all right? Maybe good drink specials, I'll give you that. I don't know. Haven't been to one in a long time. It's it's the wait staff. That's why people go. Don't let them fool you. That and they're open on a Thanksgiving in 1993. 
So she came back and she sat down and she's like, why are you by yourself? And so I was like, ah, you know the craft show that's going on down there at the Osborne Center? Yeah. So I explained to her what I was doing and how that's been. And I could see her kind of feel sorry for me. And I looked right at her and I, I don't know where this came from. It was a complete lie. But I looked right at her and I was like, no, no, no. I'd rather be alone on Thanksgiving. I wish I could tell you that I remember every bit of this story, but I don't. But I do remember that moment because she looked right at me and right through me, probably for the first time in my almost adult life that that ever happened, that she knew that I was lying, but had a good reason for it. She walked off again to do something else, and then she came back with a menu. And she's like, something like, yeah, we have a couple specials, but if you if you really want something, these are the two things you should get. You want this? Yeah, all right, great. So she goes and puts that in and then comes back. And she's like, I'm going to take my break now. I'm going to, you mind if I eat with you? <laughs> Still thinking that maybe this is kind of part of their, you know, thing that they do to get more money. I was 16. I haven't been to places where women do that to get more tips out of you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So I wasn't quite sure how to take all this, but I was really in a funky place. Now, let me let me be very clear about something because you have to understand this moving forward. Yes, I was a 16-year-old boy riddled with hormones. This was a very lovely, no one has ever accused this girl of being ugly. She was this really pretty brunette girl with orange shorts the size of a napkin and a white top that was working harder than the Hoover Dam. All right, she, but it didn't matter because I was really, really down. I, I I was heartbroken, and it wasn't because of some girlfriend in high school. I'd felt I felt disconnected because I had been spending a couple of Thanksgivings with no one that I knew, and could not have felt more disconnected from the people that loved me. And talking to a girl who had spent her hours talking to dudes who looked like what I didn't want to become bothered me greatly. I think I was quiet for a couple of minutes. And again, put your mind in a different place. It wasn't because I was over-encumbered by this uh, young thing walking around in white high-top sneakers. It, it was because I was really down and I couldn't get my head in the right place. So she started talking. I looked at her name tag and it said Matilda. And and suddenly I thought that was the funniest thing because normally when I saw the other girls name tags, they said things like cinnamon and cotton candy and, and ridiculous thing like that. And I was like, Matilda, is that your grandmother's name? She laughed. Her name was Darcy with an I. We started a conversation off that. No, she didn't write it with a heart over the eye. She'd stopped doing that in middle school when people made fun of her. 
She loved the name Matilda because she had fallen in love with uh, the Tom Waits song, Tom Trobert's Blues. It was just redone by Rod Stewart. He had done the Rod Stewart Unplugged and Seated back when Unplugged was doing all those really cool shows on MTV. And I happened to love, love the idea of the Unplugged show. And we had both seen the special with Rod Stewart and we talked about how Hot Legs was great. Never thought it would be that good. Acoustic. She didn't get the joke of uh, cut across shorty. I was like, really? With all the innuendos that are thrown at you daily, you didn't get why she wanted shorty to win and not the rich, handsome dude? (laughs) Once I explained it to her, we laughed about that a lot. Talked about how when Maggie Mae kicks in, it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of music you listen to. That song, for some reason, is just one of those that brings us all together. Rod just wrote a masterpiece in that song. And really, when you listen to the words, it's really kind of amazing. And you wonder what story really fit along with that. She loved the song, Tom Trobert's Blues, and she loved the idea of the waltzing Matilda part of it. And so that's why she took the name Matilda, because she thought it was different and she liked it. And even though Darcy sounds more like what would have properly been on her name tag, she just went with that anyway. She hated Tom Waits's version. She went and listened to it and said that his voice creeped her out. And suddenly we realized that we had a connection and now, now we're friends. And now we're talking. I didn't ask her much about her life, but she asked me a lot about mine. She thought it was sad what we did on Christmas. She said that Traveler's Rest sounded like a really pretty place. She asked me a little bit more about my grandparents. She was she was kind of infatuated with their, their small country towns that they lived in. I think she came from a larger city. I don't think she was originally from Jacksonville. I knew from what she was saying that she didn't have a connection with her parents anymore and she didn't have any other siblings. We talked about the boat parade and how much we loved that, how the fireworks show really was underrated and just uh, people need to know more about that, about the famous people that she's come in and seen and how some of them would really surprise you and sometimes that surprise wouldn't be such a good one. She talked about how ridiculous her job was, but it paid really good money and it let her do some of the things that she wanted to do. But really the trick to it all was that she would spring clean quite a bit. As a matter of fact, she just finished up her big spring cleaning of the year over Thanksgiving. Yeah. As a matter of fact, she would always look around her apartment and give away half of her stuff. Really half? Yeah. Like, she would count her clothes, and she would give that number away. Yeah, to Goodwill, but sometimes to friends that needed it. She had two TVs, so she got rid of one. Yes, one was in the living room, the other was in her bedroom, but she didn't want to have two. Silverware, cups, food. Yes, food. She would go through what she had and give away half of it every week of Thanksgiving. Half of everything. Money? Well, it depends. Half of what was left over, but sometimes there's not a lot. But if a friend's in trouble, yeah, maybe. There was something about it made it easier for her to 
I don't want to say get away, get out of town. I can't, but that part of my mind doesn't remember it correctly. It was very quick. So I knew there was a sordid story that began this idea, but it was something that lived with her forever. Half, half of it goes away. The reason why was because it helped remind her that she really didn't need so much stuff. It also helped remind her that other people did. But really, she couldn't truly enjoy anything new if she didn't have room for it already. If there wasn't a place waiting openly for something to come in and fill it, she could not enjoy it to its fullest. And she hated not enjoying gifts. That part stuck with me hard. As someone who's always been a pleaser, I, I've i never wanted someone to think that I didn't enjoy their gifts. There's a, there's a whole nother story with my upbringing there, and it was just always important to me. When she said that, it hit me hard. She's right. But it shouldn't be that I'm faking it Hey, thank you so much. I just want you to know I appreciate you giving me anything. No, how about fully appreciate it? Because you have the room for it. And you know what else she realized? Sometimes those spaces just didn't really need to get filled. She was fine with them staying empty. How long have you been doing this? Four years. So the practice has been in place for four years. Yes. You ever fudged and kept a little bit more? No. You see, part of her pain was teaching her a lesson as well. You really can give it up. Important mementos are nothing like memories. Yeah, she had some things that she knew she would never get away. But in that space, it let her know that the other stuff wasn't nearly as 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 important and it could go she got up went and did something i remember looking at the two fry cooks both of them giving me a thumbs up and i'm like oh my god that is not what i'm here oh fine and she came back um she may have had a beer <laughs> And we spent a few more moments together talking about how busy life can be and how unimportant some things can be. And maybe it's just because we've got too many distractions. She also talked about the idea of Thanksgiving and the holidays, that people get too busy. They have too much stuff already. They worry about the stuff they're going to give somebody else and the stuff gets in the way. That really, the best Christmas could be every Christmas if you sat back and opened yourself up to letting something not get in the way. Letting someone come in and bless you with that. I don't know. I think somewhere deep down the idea of this show came from that conversation. That moment changed me. It changed me for the rest of my life. It changed me like nothing else my teenage years 
did. We said our goodbyes. I did get a hug from her. And I walked back. I didn't take the, they had this little tram. They had this little tram system um, where you could uh, just ride. I think it's still there in Jacksonville, but it, nobody ever rides it. Um, but at the time, it only had three stops. <laughs> it was like the landing and the Osborne Center and some weird one in the middle where all the homeless people were. And I, I didn't want to take the tram. I just decided to walk past all the homeless people and the cops and just let my mind wander a little bit. Not, again, understand where your mind needs to be to hear this story. Not enthralled with this girl but enthralled with the idea of what she taught me it came out of nowhere came out of nowhere the very next year I went back and I did something different I found the the people that had the marble statues again and broke my damn back (laughs) carried those things in I made a lot of money and uh, helped them out and got them all set up. And everybody went and did their Thanksgiving and they took off. And I was there by myself. And I walked over to one of the campers and said, hey, you guys mind uh, the, the one of us uh, gypsy orphans comes over and has Thanksgiving with you? Man, I don't remember who they were, but they were the nicest people. We sat around and talked and laughed and had a blast together. The next day, my dad had come in. My mom's birthday is right around Thanksgiving. And I want to say my mom's birthday fell, I think, the weekend. I can't remember. It was a, it was a weird how it fell that year. And I went, remember we went out Friday. We were all going to go out, and there were all the football games were on because of the rivalry games. And Florida, Florida State was being played. And so we decided to go to the landing to watch it. So we go to Hooters. And we walk in. And, I, you know, I didn't think she would be there. I was pretty sure she wouldn't be. We sat down and uh, we started just talking and whatever. And I kind of scanned the room and didn't see her. And a little while later, I kind of realized that I don't think the two fry cooks were even the same. And I was like, oh, well, it would have been nice to run into her, you know, being 17 years old. And I decided to do something just in case I missed her. And I, I tore a napkin in half. And I wrote on it to Matilda. You get the other half. When we can sit down and talk about the half you've given away this year. And when the waitress came over, I said, hey, I don't know if Matilda's working tonight. And I think I've even said, you know, Darcy, you know, I don't think she's working. But will you leave this here? If she if she's still working here, will you leave this for her? And the girl took the note. And so I was like, oh, she must still work here. But she didn't say anything. And I thought, all right, so she just thinks I'm some creep, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I got up to uh, go to the bathroom and uh, one of the other waitresses grabbed my arm for a second and she's like, hey, um, you, you know Matilda? And I was like, yeah, I, I met her last year. I was here by myself. Y'all were open on Thanksgiving and we just sat around and talked or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know if she was here or not. It was the week um, after Christmas, the week in between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, of the previous year. So uh, a month after the two of us had met, she'd gone with a friend to Indianapolis. I think maybe the girl said Indiana. I don't really know. All I heard was a drunk driving incident. And both of them. 
It's weird. I, you know, I'd had people in my life that had died. Um, I had friends that had lost dads and stuff like that. But that was like the one of the first moments where not somebody I really knew, but some someone who my life had come in contact with and our lives had touched in a way that um, I knew was special. I didn't think we'd ever see each other again. I wasn't even trying to, but to know that it was impossible to, that hit me hard. And that was apparent to me very quickly that it wasn't just a sad story. It's we have no chance ever, ever of, of talking again, ever. I can't, I can't remember what I, I can't remember what I thought the rest of the night. I, I don't, I don't think I was like, down and everybody was like oh what's wrong with Chad I don't think it's anything like that but I, I know that it hit me and I know that for weeks I kept thinking about that conversation it, it was sometime later like like years later that I revisited that and I remember um how proud I was that I took her message in the very next year reached out and had Thanksgiving with somebody I didn't know. Why? Because I took all the guilt, all the anger, all the sadness that I allowed myself to feel the year before, and I got rid of it, and I made room for something else to come in. And Thanksgiving is still... It's still my favorite holiday. There's something about the beginning of that of this season of letting things just go, making room, cleaning things out, realizing that you don't need this thing anymore. You know what you need? You need that relationship. You need that person. You need to make room for somebody else to come in. You need to to realize that things aren't as important. We have been reminded of that in our household in in a very harsh way this year with the death of my brother-in-law. Realizing that the moments, the texts, the laughter, the trips, just driving down. Those, those, yeah, more than anything. Jay was the greatest gift giver. I give them all back. All of them. In a second. Wouldn't think twice about it. There's another side of this, too. And I think it's a thing that that I, I don't think that Darcy really said, but I think one of the things that it I, I can't get away from is there's something on the other side of that too. When people make room for you, man, there's no better feeling. When someone clears the way for you to come in, when someone cleans off a place at the table, and our friends Ace and Jamie have Thanksgiving for all of us Thanksgiving orphans. They, Knowing that they've made a place, knowing that they've cleared out some something to make a place for me and my wife and our daughters and our family, 
Even our dog. Man, there's no better feeling in the world. We live in a cold world. It's not the first time the world's ever been like this. And we talk all the time about the world is ending. Oh my gosh. How self-righteous are we that we think that this is it? That we're the best that's come along and we're seeing the worst that there ever will be? Oh God, we got to get over ourselves. You can always find a way to make some room. Where, where, where are you? Where are you now? Do you, do you have something you want to do, but can't find the time? Time's easy. You got too much crap somewhere, but I live a busy life, man. I don't know how many shows I've had about how busy my wife is. My daughters are, they still make things happen. They are the greatest reminder to me that you can make time. There's not a ton of it. There is a limited amount, but you can prioritize and you can get rid of crap off your schedule, out of your closet, out of your dressers, whatever it is, you can find a way. A job not letting you do it? No one said you had to be married to that job, man. You got one life. Figure it out. You got a project that you want to do. How's that creativity ever going to find you if you don't leave space for it? You think in a cluttered world you can sit down and bang out a song or or, or, or just put down a drawing in 15 minutes? Get out of here. Get out of here. That's not creative. That's crap. You're just crapping stuff out. You can make room. Get rid of your stuff. You need a visual picture, call up Haley Thorpe. Get her to work with you on a plan about how to tidy up just your closet. You'd be amazed about how that makes you feel. And then look inside yourself and be like, you know what? If I got rid of most of my crap, what could I make space for? Making room. Making room for other people making room for good things to happen, man, that crap just passes you by. The rest of it, perspective, drive, ambition, self-reliance, all that stuff, all that stuff that you may have that you've gone out and bought self-help books for and and listened to seminars and, and jotted down in your journal and figured all that stuff out, none of it matters if there isn't room. You have to make room. You have to make room for your family. You have to make room for yourself and what you want to do. You have to make space for it. Ladies and gentlemen, none of it is ever going to happen if there isn't real estate in your life for it to happen. And right now, today, not tomorrow, is the day to do it. And you know what? If that day was yesterday, it's still today. It is never tomorrow. So it's fitting. One of my one of my favorite lines of uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" is when George looks over at his angel and says, "Hey, angel, how about you? You want a drink?" 
Uh, part of me that <laughs> thinks that'd be fitting if I was ever talking to one of my angels and I could say that to them. They, they probably are drinkers. They kind of have to be to keep up. So, yeah, I know that somewhere one of my angels wears short orange shorts and a white tank top. It's a lesson that is, has, has stood with me, and I've seen it change my life over. And to be quite frank with you, anytime I go back and really spend time, and I've, I've spent the past two weeks thinking about this so I could say this statement and know 100% that this is true. Anytime I've gone back and looked at my life, at the moments that were the most positive change for me, it wasn't just chance. It wasn't just because something fell into my life. It may look that way, but I had room for it to happen. Graduating college, being able to work on the basketball team, finding some really good friends, finding getting back into music, being able to play with Don and all that stuff and some of the time I've enjoyed the most music in my life. Finding my wife and my daughter came because I made room before they got here. None of your New Year's resolutions will happen if you do not make room now. None of your plans will come true if you don't make room for them now. And if you know someone out there has made room for you, do not take that for granted. Every day is a gift. And every day has the potential to be the best day of your life. Or at least one of the best conversations you've ever had. And if you're lucky, the second best Thanksgiving you'll ever have. Go waltzing Matilda Waltzing Matilda And it's a battered old suitcase in a hotel someplace and a wound that would never heal. No prima donnas, the perfume is on, an old chip that is stained with blood and whiskey. And it's good night to the street sweepers, the night watchmen, flame keepers, and good night, Matilda, too. Good night, Matilda. This podcast is part of a local bar media. For this and other shows, visit localbarmedia.com.